NWP Radio. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. Welcome, listeners. This is NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. Today is February 5th, 2021, and we're talking with Rob Shetterly and Connie Carter about Americans Who Tell the Truth. I'm your host, Tanya Baker, from the National Writing Project from my home office in El Cerrito, California. Rob and Connie, thank you for being here. Thanks, Tanya. Thanks, Tanya. Um, I feel like um, I should just start by laying all my cards on the table and saying I'm even more excited than usual for this um, episode of NWP Radio for a whole bunch of reasons, including your work, but also because I'm talking to you from my home office in El Cerrito, and you're in your home offices in Maine, which is where I'm from. Anybody who knows has known me for a minute knows I'm going to work that into the conversation. <laughs> Um, and I could, you know, go on and on and do the introductions, but I always think it's better to have guests introduce themselves. So, um, I'd love to have you start by talking about the work that you do, but also, um, secondly, answering a silly question. So I'd ask each of you to first tell listeners, um, and so, you know, many of them are writing project teachers, who you are and what you do. And Rob, do you want to go first? Sure. Well, Tanya, first, thank you so much for interviewing us. And, and I'm delighted to be able to talk with you and with Connie today. Um, so my name is Robert Shetterly. I live in the little rural town of Brooksville, Maine, which is uh, on the Maine coast on the Blue Hill Peninsula in Penobscot Bay. And I've lived in this county for 50 years now. I'm a self-taught artist. And until about a little over 19 years ago, I was, I'd finally sort of found my voice as a, what I would mostly call a surrealist. I was fascinated with using my art to explore, you know, all the mysterious questions about who we are and why we do what we do. So my book, my, my, my paintings were, and prints, I was a printmaker, uh, were all about mystery and ambiguity. And I, you know, Rarely do people talk about what the obligation of an artist is in society, mm -hmm. but I thought that I was fulfilling that obligation by encouraging people to go with me wherever their, my pictures would take them, not to find out what I was thinking necessarily, but use their experience and their imaginations to find meaning in my pictures wherever they could. That all changed for me in the wake of 9-11, not mm -hmm. because of 9-11 itself, but because our government at that time, the George W. Bush administration, was using 9-11 as an excuse to make war on Iraq. And the reasons they were giving for the war were all untrue, you know, very simply. And, you know, I've lived in this country a long time, and I have seen this happen before. Uh, my uh, teeth were cut as an activist, uh, you know, in... in uh, protesting the Vietnam War. And every war since then has had a, a strong element of untruth in it. Mm -hmm. And I was so distraught, uh, so worried about this country and how it was being misled, about all the victims that were going to be in this of Americans and, and people in the Middle East. 
And I just, I couldn't, I was so full of anger and grief. I, I thought, you know, I can't live like this. I really thought I was going to hurt myself mm. because of my feelings. Mm. And I realized I had to do something that involved the thing I do best, which is paint. And it had to be positive. It had to take that negative energy and do something positive with it. And it took me several months to think of doing something that was really very simple, which was to start painting portraits of Americans who made me feel good about this country rather than allow Dick Cheney and George Bush to be encamped in my heart any longer. You know, and so I exercised them by painting Walt Whitman, Frederick Douglass, Sojourner Truth, Harriet Tubman, Jane Addams, Mother Jones, you know, all these 19th century figures. I began there rather than say painting Tom Paine because I, I didn't want to paint from anybody else's portraits. I wanted, I, I would go back and find old fuzzy black and white photographs and read uh, you know, auto, uh, biographies and figure out what they looked like as best I could in terms of skin color and eye color and hair color and everything, and then make the portraits. And then I came up with the idea of also of, of scratching a quote from each person into the surface of the painting. The paintings okay. are painted on big wooden panels, uh, each the same size. And um, I mean, basically this began as a therapy project for myself. I mean, I was really taking care of myself. Uh, I just wanted to be part of a different community, a community which inspired me with, with people who had insisted that this country live up to its own ideals. And as you know, that's often the people who've been marginalized right. and are not given those ideals are the ones who would insist on making them real for themselves and for everybody else. And it became thrilling to me what I was doing, what I was learning about history, uh, the people I would in a sense was coming to know closely because yeah. of what I was doing. And it just grew and grew and grew. And um, as I said, it was about therapy for myself. But once I started to show the pictures, people began to ask me to bring them into classrooms, mm -hmm. to bring them to libraries, to talk about who these people were and why I was doing this. And it uh, became a much, much bigger and different project. It totally changed my life now. So yeah. now, there, now there are 200, over 250 portraits and um, they travel, at least until COVID, they traveled all over the country to museums and libraries and colleges and uh, churches and community centers. And I followed along and gave talks. And, and then it became also a fairly large educational project. And that's why Connie's involved now because she's the educational director of the project. And so let's let Connie talk about herself. Great. I have so many things to say, but let's let Connie talk about herself. Connie. Thanks, Tanya. It's great to connect with you and um, to be a part of this incredible project. I, I'm a lifelong Mainer. I'm born and brought up here. I've lived in other parts of the country, um, but found my way back here and I'm pretty happy to be in Maine. Yeah. Um, and a lifelong educator. I started my education career working with blind and visually impaired as a teacher and then became a special ed teacher and then wound my way into um, being really involved in our high school service learning program. Um, and I feel like that kind of led me to where I am right now that I really felt the importance of connecting classroom and community and that 
to make education real for kids, mm -hmm. they needed to find out what the issues are around them and really become activists in that way. And, and surface learning did that. Um, right. And as when I was in that job, I happened to start another a nonprofit with my daughter called Operation Breaking Stereotypes, which connects students in Maine and New York City around um, breaking stereotypes around race, ethnicity, gender, class. And when I was doing that, I happened to literally almost stumble onto Rob's portraits that were being shown at our high school. And I thought, whoa, these would be great yeah. <laughs> um, as part of the Breaking Stereotypes program. And so Rob was incredibly generous in working with me on several different exchanges, sharing the portraits and coming to talk with students. And then I think he felt like I just wouldn't go away. So he decided <laughs> I could be the education director for Americans Who Tell the Truth. And, and I feel like that's been kind of my life journey has led to that place mm -hmm. where I can use these incredible portraits and Rob's knowledge and the actions of the portrait subjects to bring those to students in schools and help them understand how important it is to, to act on things when they see a problem. That's my short version. I just want to say I could just take this portion of our show and unpack it as um, all the advice I would want somebody to give my own daughter about how to make a career. Show up, do the work, keep good company, Take whatever you're best at and put it to use to make the world better. I mean, pretty much the end. <laughs> so uh, that's. <laughs> I mean, Tanya, I think you know, I think Connie and I sometimes when we talk about you know the goal of education, we we say we want to help kids find that that meeting place, the intersection between their passion and their talent. Exactly. And I think you know we both Connie and I have been lucky enough to find that place and it happened to, you know, you know, intersect with each other and uh, then go on, you know, working together. It's been very, very exciting. Exactly. I, I told my daughter this about my own career recently and she said, that doesn't feel like, a, that doesn't feel like ad, advice I know how to follow. And I said, yes, you do. Show up, do your work, be generous be fun to be around, <laughs> you know, or take joy in the work. And then like the next thing will, the next thing will show up. You'll know what to do next. But oh, anyway, so uh, we also usually try to have, I mean, actually these were such generous and um, human and personal introductions. I'm not sure we need it, but we do often ask a silly question. And one of my favorites is, so, 3 p.m. on a Friday afternoon in Maine in February, what would you be doing if you weren't talking with us? Go, Rob. Well, <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> uh, well we, we uh, Americans to Tell the Truth is in a very important phase right now. It's very dynamic. We have a number of exciting opportunities that are all in the works. And one of them is a, a book that's up against a number of deadlines in terms of uh, putting copy into the um, New Village Press in New York City, which is going to hopefully publish a series of, of Americans and Tell the Truth books. Oh. The, first, the first one is gonna be on racial justice, which we hope will come out next fall, which will have 50 portraits, 
uh, all of people who worked for racial justice or are working for racial justice and some essays by several people in the book, including myself. And it will be aimed at a, a very large audience of both um, in terms of education, but you know, the general public. The second book in the series will come out a year later, which will be about environment and climate justice and will involve 50, 50 portraits of environmentalists and climate activists. And again, be full of essays. We, we hope to maybe do five such books um, on, on different issues like that. So but we're uh, trying to edit the last uh, essays and uh, I have to still write some pieces for it myself. So we're working very hard on that. I just sent Connie something to edit this morning. I don't know if you saw it, Connie. <laughs> anyway, and so um, that's busy. We're also, we got a grant from the Wallace Global Fund to do strategic planning uh, to try to move Americans to, to tell the truth to a larger national platform. And uh, so we, this has been pretty intense work that started back in October and is continuing now. We have regular Zoom meetings with about uh, as many as 24 different people from all over the country working with us to figure out how we can advance the, the educational uh, possibilities of this organization the most. Um, so that's happening and, and uh, uh, there's also, a, I think I, well, I mentioned before we went on the air that there's also a documentary being made right now about Americans Who Tell the Truth and the work it's doing, which hopefully will come out this spring. So all these things are happening. And so if it were 3 p.m. on a Friday afternoon in February, if I weren't feeling overwhelmed by all the things that are happening, I'd, I'd probably be, you know, bouncing back and forth between the thing that I felt was most important at that moment. Ah, yes, I know that kind of work list. <laughs> and Connie? <laughs> so because Rob is holding my feet to the fire, yes. Um, You'd also I, be working. I should be editing, yes. Um, <laughs> however, in a normal non-pandemic year, I think I would probably be packing my bags to escape Maine to somewhere warm for a couple of weeks right now. But it is about the time, yeah. So I'll edit instead. Yeah. <laughs> so I can take you away in your mind. Right. <laughs> um, so the next questions were a little bit about the overview and I think we've covered some of them, but still, to focus the audience on the information they're about to get, which is much and very exciting. Uh, Rob, could you give like the 30 second elevator pitch? If you, you know, had, or a minute, if you had five floors to ride with somebody who asked, well, what do you do? What is, how would you encapsulate the project Americans Who Tell the Truth? I think the, the mission of Americans Who Tell the Truth um, grew and, and uh, sort of informed us what its mission was as it, as it grew. I mean, at first, I, I said earlier, it began as a kind of therapy project for myself, but gradually it's become, the, the portraits um, have become what we call um, models of courageous citizenship. It's aimed at all Americans. I mean, we work primarily in schools, but it's not limited to, to students at all. It's to remind all of us what it actually takes to um, maintain a democratic society. You know, one of the um, most important quotes that's in the portraits um, uh, in the collection 
is from Helen Keller, who besides doing the work she did for uh, disabilities, uh, people with disabilities and uh, saving them from what had been done to them previously, mm -hmm. she was very political and very wise. And she said, when you come to think of it, there are no such things as divine, immutable, or inalienable rights. I mean, she's saying the Declaration yes. of Independence. Well, not really, you know. Right. right. There are no such things as divine, immutable, or inalienable rights. Rights are things you get when you are strong enough uh, to maintain them. You know, so you don't. I mean, they they don't because they're written on paper. They don't. That doesn't mean that everybody gets them or will get them, or that they can't be taken away, as we should know from our recent history. Um, so rights, in other words, the democratic rights that we have are the responsibility of constant vigilance by all of us as citizens. And the purpose, and this is a long elevator ride now, where I think- <laughs> It's a very tall building. <laughs> I'm with you. I was gonna say, but I, I, will, I won't go on much longer, but I mean, the, uh, the point is that the people I paint, every one of them in some way has felt the um, need to try to make the, the founding ideals of this country, which were never made real at the beginning, real now for everyone, whether it's people of color, women, you know, people with disabilities, for the environment, mm -hmm. for the economy, you know, whatever it is. I mean, these are people who have expended enormous persistence and courage to try to make it those those rights and freedoms real for everybody and we use them as an educational model then to help uh young people <coughs> all of us understand what it is as citizens you know what our job really is and that how if we want to live in a country and call it a democracy that it can only happen if we follow that kind of model I realize, um, A, that you're saying <laughs> uh, we plan to um, share this soon with our community around in a whole set of um, resources around how students can become activists. And I knew that this was perfect, but I had no idea that you would write all the framing for me in your introductory remarks. <laughs> um, I realize, Rob, I, I actually want to turn our attention to the Samantha Smith challenge, but I realize listeners will be distracted by a burning question if we don't answer it, which is, where can I see these portraits? Well, we have a, we are very proud of our website. Um, it's called americanswhotellthetruth.org, americanswhotellthetruth, all one word, dot org. And on the website, enormous resources. If you click on the uh, the galleries, uh, you can see all 250 portraits that are plus, and you can, uh, there's a menu, you can sort them by theme. I mean, you can sort them by women's issues, civil rights, environmental issues, you know, workers' issues, all kinds of things, which will give you a whole different collection of portraits. And with each portrait, as you click on it, there's a biography, and there's also a uh, up, up next to it are resources, uh, the educational resources, um, books about them, you know, interviews, videos. There's all kinds of things available. 
And then it's also the link to our educational project, which we'll talk about the Samantha Smith Challenge. And then uh, the, the most recent work that Connie's been doing, which is so exciting, the Speaking Truth to Youth Project, which she'll mm -hmm. talk about. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's just an enormous amount of stuff there. Um, and so you can, you know, look at a few pictures and get a sense of who these people are, or you can spend all day there, you know, yeah. getting educated about American history and the people who have, you know, worked to try to make this country uh, a more honest and uh, uh, congenial country. I can totally vouch for that, having lost not only one day on that website. <laughs> uh, um, thank you. So now people will be able to listen to the next part of the show without being distracted, wondering on their computers, figuring out how to find the portraits. So uh, clearly this project, which you describe as starting as some self-therapy has grown to have arms and legs and a whole whole life of its own beyond the portraits themselves. Uh, we wanna really focus for today's show on one specific part of that whole ecosystem, the Samantha Smith challenge. Um, but I do, I guess one more question for you, Rob, before I turn to Connie, what does it mean to you when you think about that origin story of this project and the feelings you had when you started painting those portraits? What does it mean to you to see the work all of this work having grown out of that original project? Well, the short answer is uh, it's thrilling um, to see, I mean, that, well, one thing, you know, the, you know, try to tell, when I'm talking to kids, I talk about how, you know, working steadily and persistently on something could amount to something way beyond what you ever thought you would begin with. I mean, I, I, my, my goal at the beginning was to paint 50 portraits. Right. I had never painted a portrait in my life. I had to teach myself how to paint a portrait. And as people responded to the project as it was just in its infancy, I realized that I could go on doing this forever, primarily because it was feeding me so much. I was learning so much. I was being asked to then engage with so many interesting people. I was painting now primarily living people. I was traveling around the country meeting the people I was painting and then becoming working with those people on those issues. So it was becoming so powerfully meaningful to me, the work itself, that regardless of some of the other stuff, I, I, there's no reason why I wanted to stop it. Right. Um, and then a few years ago, uh, Syracuse University, which is one of our major partners in this, uh, is the only place so far that has shown the entire collection and um, well, frankly, I was, I was stunned to see what it looked like. I never, most of the shows of the paintings are 10 paintings, 20 paintings, maybe 30 paintings. To see 240 paintings all at once in the student union at, at Syracuse was um, a little overwhelming. I mean, I realized this wasn't, a, this wasn't about individual part, portraits. It was an art installation of the history of this country in activism. And the response there was overwhelming. I mean, and um, it's, it's been, um, you know, when you, I say that, but it also, the other part of it that comes with that is the responsibility then, yeah. you know, to keep making it meaningful, right. you know, to 
you know, think deeply about what portraits need to be added to it, mm -hmm. and then how we can particularly carry the education work forward. Because we've got this thing now, we've got the the center, the, the, the lodestone of something really right. important. And the question is, what are we going to do with it to make it persist and to still be meaningful, you know, to keep it from being yeah. co-opted or sidelined? So that's where Connie has been so important. I mean, her work with the education uh, component has been, you know, fantastic. Well, as I said to you before we started the interview, I've known Connie since I was in graduate school and I wouldn't Imagine anyone better to help you think through these important questions. Um, so let's, we'll have Connie talk a little bit about some of the education components, but thank you for that answer. It was, um, again, it, I'm just gonna re-edit this whole thing and send it to my daughter as advice on how to build a career. So <laughs> that's that my secondary task now. <laughs> um, I live in El Cerrito, California, but there's no doubt that deep down my Nana would say I'm a good main girl and I'm a good main girl of a certain age, which means that I definitely know who Samantha Smith is, but I realize that many of our listeners might not. So I thought maybe we should start with one of you describing, giving a brief uh, sort of biography of Samantha Smith. Why don't you do that, Connie? I've been talking a lot. <laughs> um, I'm happy to do that. And before I do that, I just want to echo what Rob said about seeing all of his portraits in one place um, at Syracuse University. It felt like I just wanted to stay there because I felt surrounded by amazing people who were doing good work and were not afraid to take on big challenges. So it was a really powerful, powerful moment. But one of those people in that display was Samantha Smith, um, who at the ripe old age of 10 in 1982, um, had seen a headline about the possibility of a war between the Soviet Union and the United States. And like all good 10 year olds said to her mother, you need to write to the head of the Soviet Union and tell him not to go to war. And, um, like all good moms, he said, Samantha, why don't you write? <laughs> and so Samantha did. And to, I think, maybe not so much her surprise, but everybody else's surprise, he responded mm. and invited her and her family to come to the Soviet Union, um, which she did. Um, and I think many people probably thought they were crazy to do that and because um, it was frightening and, um, who dares to, to just take a trip off to the Soviet Union? But um, she did and learned, as we all learn when we do one-to-one -one connections with people, that they're not that scary and they're a lot like we are. And we can become friends if we just let down all that guard of um, fear and all the things that we think keep us apart. And so she um, came back and was became a, a pretty much an ambassador for world peace. Um, right and unfortunately was killed in a plane crash with her dad when she was flying back into Maine when she was 13. So that's the short version of Samantha, but a pretty impressive young, young voice. Yes, may, may, I, may I add something, Tanya? Of course. I mean, this is, um, 
you know, when when um, Yuri Andropov, the premier of the Soviet Union, in you know invited them to come, this was a you know a tense moment in the uh, Cold War. There was you know some expectation that it could get tenser, and Samantha was terribly frightened. You know, and she um, when when uh, Yuri Andropov wrote to her, he said he wanted her to come to the Soviet Union so that she and her family could find out that the Russians did not want war, they wanted peace. And he stressed that at the, you know, the Second World War had been so devastating to the Soviet Union, you know, their, their country was right. devastated. They lost right. over 20 million people, oh um, you know, which was 40 or 50 times what the United States lost. Right. And with not even counting what it did to their, you know, their infrastructure, their cities, you know, their countryside. Uh, you know, he said, we know what war is. We don't want that. We want you to know that we don't want this war. And of course, the, the thing that's so moving to me about Samantha is a trajectory yeah. that she begins. And that's why we've made it the centerpiece of this educational work. You begin in a place of anxiety or fear, mm -hmm. confusion of not knowing. And instead of hiding under the bed, which she could have done, you know, she writes a letter. She takes a step. And of course, that step leads to another step. Exactly. And I think maybe the, the next step was probably even more frightening than writing the letter, which was, why don't you come to the Soviet Union and meet Russians for yourself? I mean, these are people hated by the Americans, you know, and feared by the Americans. And she was being invited to go there. She didn't speak their language. She had no idea what was going to happen. And she goes to camp with Russian kids and travels around the country. And, you know, the, the scales fall from her eyes. Right. She says, oh, my God, these people are just like my friends back in Manchester, Maine. Right. Why in the world would they want a war? They've got lives. They've got pets. You know, they've got schools. <laughs> they've got communities. They've got dreams for their own future. Right. They don't want war. It's not the people that cause wars. It's the governments. If we could just meet as people. This is Samantha talking. If we right, could just right. meet, as, meet people, as people, we would not have these wars. And so the idea was to, to base this educational project around that Samantha's journey and then ask other young people, middle schoolers, to take that journey too yeah. about the issues that they care most about. I think an interesting kind of addition to that is just this year, I encountered a, a teacher in Maine who actually came here from the former Soviet Union, Misha Klimov, and he was in the Soviet Union when Samantha went there and was, you know, not, he was probably her age or maybe a little right. bit older, but he talked about how amazing it was to encounter her and hear about her and that she had a significant influence on his decision to come to the States. Oh my um, gosh. You just never know. And I mean, I think that's, those are the types of that's, influences that we, you know, this, we were really fortunate to hear about, but we don't always hear about. But. Right. Oh my gosh. That's an amazing story, Connie. All right. So you have built this educational, um, a lot of things, a lot of resources and, and stuff around um, Rob's portraits and Rob's project and at the center, at least as I understand it, at the center is the Samantha Smith Challenge. Could you describe the challenge, Connie? What does it involve? Okay, so 
in a really simple short for the elevator to only five floors. So, <laughs> um, it basically involves, it can be a classroom of students, it could be a special group of kids within a classroom or individual students, um, seeing something around them that they felt needs to be addressed or changed, an issue that's um, maybe like Samantha that gives them a little bit of fear or that they're just, you know, feeling like this is wrong, something needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And so they look at that issue and identify what it is and then do a bit of research around that particular topic. Um, today, we just met with a group of students who are looking at climate change and they've got all sorts of different aspects of climate change, but they're doing the research to learn what they can about that particular issue. Um, and then look around their community for stakeholders, people that either are on the same page or maybe on an opposite page mm -hmm. so that they can understand all the, the opinions that are out there and also build some, um, some action forward. And then to create a plan of something they're gonna do. And we usually ask them to have that plan include delivering their message somehow through the arts because we feel like the creative arts are a really powerful way to, to deliver a message and mm -hmm. to create the prompt action. And, um, and to act. And so that's the, the very simple version. There's a whole long explanation on our website of um, the exact steps and how to get students to start thinking about issues. And um, we usually ask them now to start thinking about an issue by thinking about themselves. Who are they? Mm -hmm. And how do they identify themselves with varieties of labels probably? Mm -hmm. And then to think about, you know, when they figured out kind of who they are, how, what expectations are put on them because of their identity, what expectations did they put on themselves, and then how do they fit into this bigger picture of issues that they are concerned about? That's just so lovely. Um, this is this is a challenge that you started by offering the support and the um, welcome to main teachers only, and this is the first year that it's been opened to yes. nationally. Yeah, excellent. And so, and, it, yeah, it is. And I, we started with the idea that it was for main students, um, and crazy enough, Rob and I would actually visit every school that um, signed up to be in the challenge and, and talk with them about their issue. And Rob would bring portraits and explain some of the portrait subjects. And, you must um, have been so busy. It's <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of trips up and down Interstate 95. <laughs> but honestly, one of the most beautiful parts of the project was getting to hear um, students talk about what they were doing and um, yeah. the importance of issues to them. And then also, uh, this is kind of a, just a little aside, Robert always usually start with talking about some of the portrait subjects he's painted and sharing the portraits. And there was a student who had taken on, I think his issue, Rob, was um, access to basketball or something along that line for you know kids in his school mm -hmm. and after he listened to Rob talk he just raised his hand he said I've got to do something bigger that's so beautiful so Aww. I yeah I think it was the story people can look up Lee Allen Jones I think it was that <laughs> story that Rob told that um, made the student think I've got to 
got to have a bigger project here. Oh. Well, we, we've painted uh, in the collection. There are I mean, Samantha is not the only young person. Uh, I've painted uh, a, a variety of young people, and I'm always looking for young activists. And you know, the culminating event until the coronavirus every year at the end of the project was to bring all the students who have been engaged in the project in all the different schools to Thomas College, which is in Waterville, in sort of the center of Maine. And it would be like a big science fair, except it was an activist fair of all the kids then presenting the work they've done. Um, and often we would, um, I would have painted a new portrait for that event of a young person and we would bring the portrait and the young person I painted to speak to all these students. And uh, one year it was Kelsey Juliana, the young woman who was suing the US government over climate change. Mm -hmm. And we brought her all the way from Eugene, Oregon to speak at that event. And it's so powerful for these kids to see mm -hmm. a person who began their activism while they were in middle school. Right. And, you know, have now actually done something. And so, you know, the portraits of uh, people like Claudette Colvin and Barbara Johns, who were, mm -hmm. you know, huge teenage civil rights activists right. in this country. Um, you know, it kind of blows the minds of kids to see, oh, wow, you know, adults, you know, big changes are often made by young people. Right. You know, you don't even have to be old enough to vote to, to cause, a, to, to make a change. So that's why one of the important things about the project. So one of the things that you started to ask, I think, Kenya, was the, the expansion beyond Maine, which we mm -hmm. are doing this year for the first time. And um, the good, bad, and ugly of a pandemic. Uh, <laughs> exactly. That we realized that we can do Zoom sessions with students. So um, if people, um, sign up before the middle of March. We will try to fit in a Zoom conversation with their classroom. Um, I see Lovely. Rob, I see her, but um, <laughs> to, so that they can have a chance to, and we can have a chance to have a conversation with students that we wouldn't normally get to, to see. Um, so, and then the ending event will be something on our website yet to be, it's still being shaped at this moment, but where people can submit their projects and be showcased to everybody else who's been involved. An activist fair online. You got it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, as soon as you said those words, Rob, I was like, what have I been doing with my whole life? Why have I not hosted an activist fair every year? <laughs> oh my goodness. All right, well, now I know what else, what other work there is to do. Um, so everything that people need to reach you, to get started, to think about whether this project is right for them and their students is on americanswhotellthetruth.org. It is, right. yeah. And any people can reach out to me through email. It's very simple, Connie at americanswhotellthetruth.org. Thank you, excellent. Um, and I've asked you this question, Connie, but I just wanna say, I, you know, most of our audience is teachers and they'll be using their teacher brains to think about this question, but they might also have kids at home or kids might find their way to your site or to this radio show. So um, if a student hears about a challenge, but the teacher isn't interested or doesn't know about it, can a student throw in individually or do they need an adult mentor? How's that work? 
students are very welcome to do an individual project. And it's not there yet, but it will be there very soon. A student registration form, the current registration form that's on the website is for, for teachers and small groups of students or classrooms. But there will be an individual student registration form. So go okay. for it. Okay. Awesome. Well, I, this work is beautiful. This opportunity and opening it um, so broadly is beautiful. And I just want to make sure that people know not only that they can see Rob's portraits, that they can look at the challenge and sign their students up, sign their classroom up for the challenge, but that the website is, has many, like the work, as you keep describing, the website has many parts. Um, so I thought we should also, Connie, just tell listeners about some of the other resources that are available for educators and youth at the website. Right. Probably the, a very exciting new resource is our project called Speaking Truth to Youth, where I am in the process of interviewing as many living portrait subjects as I can about um, what in their youth led them to activism and what continues to give them courage and then advice that they have for young people. Um, we have about, I think, 25, they're usually 10 to 12 minute videos on the website right now. And I can say that I, after every interview, I just am so impressed by how people have just decided to act in their own kind of moment of courage and or maybe moved by fear or moved by passion or whatever, but they're just incredibly impressive. And, and the great things about the interviews are they are not polished. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I appreciate that. We talked about Diane Wilson earlier and the interview I did with her, she was in a room where the insulation was falling out of the ceiling. And it was, but people are just incredibly real and it's been um, so those I would encourage um, teachers to use in any way they can. There's an introductory lesson on the website that people can use to, um, to get into those particular videos. But. I think the, the Bill McKibben interview, he's sitting in his car. He had to drive to a college to be in the, in the parking lot where he could get good enough Wi-Fi to do oh. the interview. <laughs> That's right, because Bill McKibben was on my list of ones I wanted to watch, but I haven't yet, so I'm going to check that out. I do think I, it's only right for me to issue a warning to listeners that if you start on those videos, that is a place where you could, between that and, and close examination of the portraits, you really could lose more than a day of your life on Americans who tell the truth. <laughs> Well, this, this Speaking Truth to Youth project was, was Connie's idea, and she does the interview, she does the editing, and uh, it's just marvelous. The, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's added a, a piece to the project, which uh, it really needed, because, you know, people, we, you know, it's, it's, we're building this around the portraits and around the bios and the educational work, but the opportunity to meet the people, hear them talk in, yeah. in such open and, and uh, humble terms about who they are and what they do and why they do it uh, and the passion they have. It, it's, it's very important piece of all this. I agree. I, I think they're beautiful. We, one of the things we've done um, as part of the, the, the traveling project is when the portraits go to different communities, 
we try to invite, get the, the host to invite in some of the portrait subjects so that people can get a sense of who these people are and have them not just be a picture on the wall, but also be a living presence. And we, we know how powerful that is and we can't be doing that right now. So this speaking truth to youth is, is uh, you know, filled that gap beautifully. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they really are lovely and so different from one another. I think that's both the portraits and these interviews, um, as well as the educational surround on the website, um, feel really important to me in a time where a lot of teachers feel very um, held in by a sort of standards-based education. I think one of the most important messages of the set of resources is that every, there are so many paths and people's passions come from fear, they come from anxiety, they come from love, they come from joy and every, like they're, they're all so different. It's really, I think a lovely message for a young person if they are wondering what am I supposed to do and how am I supposed to know? Like, that your path doesn't have to be somebody else's path is I think one of the huge takeaways of the great body of work that you're building. I just wanna say a quick thing about um, teachers feeling hemmed in by um, testing and standards and whatever. Um, I just talked to a teacher a couple of days ago who had used our lesson, the introductory lesson for speaking truths to youth videos and just thrown that out to students to, you, to do when they weren't doing the NWEA testing because <laughs> she had them in two groups. And, and she shared with me some of the things that they came back with and they were phenomenal. And she was so excited about what they did on their own, just looking right. at it. So it's an option, a, a sideline to testing. <laughs> uh, it is, or any other kind of independent study or whatever. There's a lot kids can do, to can find and learn from. Uh, in this self-study kind of way in that space. Connie, if we have piqued someone's interest today, and I feel quite certain we have, so hold on to your hats over there. Um, the best way to get involved would be to go to the website, find their Americans Who Tell the Truth, all one word, .org, find their way around, and they can, if they choose, register to participate in the in the Samantha Smith Challenge. On the, on the homepage, they can see a link to the Samantha Smith Challenge and then just follow it through. It's pretty self-explanatory. And you very generously earlier offered a direct contact if people have a question. So yep. do you wanna say one more time how people can reach you if they have a question? So if people have questions, feel free to email me at Connie at americanswhotellthetruth.org. Uh, Robin, Connie, I don't want to cut you off from saying anything important that I might not have asked you about. So do either of you have any last things you'd like to say before we wrap up this episode? I was, yes, I've always got, I've always got something more to say. But, you know, uh, one of the things we haven't really talked about or only peripherally is that this is an art project. You know, it began mm -hmm. as art. And we continue to make art an important part of it in the work that the kids do in response to it. I mean, it's not the only thing, but it, we ask for some artistic response. 
And there's a reason for that. I mean, first of all, the, the scope of the project and the effect that it's had, uh, we believe is because of the art that I insisted on trying to make real paintings, not just you know political paintings, but real portraits right. that were about art as much as they were about the, the political or ethical message in them. And that's, I think, what attracts people to this. It's about, through the art, it gets at the integrity of the people, the right. spirit of the people. And it, if the art is good enough, it kind of authenticates its own message, if you can say that. Yeah, that and, and so, um, you know, this is where, an art encapsulates, you know, this kind of a combination of both emotion and intellect that really isn't approachable any other way, I think, except through the arts. And that's what we want to appeal, use as a means of appealing to people, is to get them both to feel and think together about where we are and what needs to be done and then what they can do. And that all is a product of the art. And we are you know, very excited about using the art this way and encouraging other people to use other forms of art, but mm -hmm. in the same way, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you brought us back around to the art where we started a lot um, talking about your history as an artist and, and what you attempted to do with the art. But I'm really glad that we brought that back to the close because the portraits are real art and, and um, they do have an authentic, I think my sense of myself is a, you know, an authentic aesthetic personal response to them they're beautiful and I I've been trying to imagine since you both talked about it that what it must have been like to be have the opportunity to see all of them in one space and how much you would feel like you were standing in community with people who are doing amazing work like oh, that essentially this Besides art, this project is about love. Yes. I mean, I literally fall in love with every person I paint. Yes. <laughs> I fall in love with Frederick Douglass. I fall in love with Howard Zinn. I fall in love with, you know, Fannie Lou Hamer. Yes. I'm in love with everybody. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's very intense for me. And I try to, I mean, I think other people, if they spend some time with the portraits, will feel that emotion coming out of them. Because uh, that's what it's about. My experience is that they will. I think that's right. I also, um, go ahead, Connie. I would just like to add that um, I think it's, these are not perfect people. Um, I would say probably over half of these people I'd never heard of until Rob painted them. And, um, and as I've gotten to know some of them, their journeys and, and even interviewing them, they aren't perfect. And sometimes I think we make ourselves feel like we have to be I don't know, we have to have all the answers or whatever right. to be able to go forward. And these are people who stumble and fall and do things that are crazy, but in the end, they've done something really amazing to make a difference in the world. And so I think that's a great lesson for students to know that they don't have to get it all right the first shot. Or no, even the hundredth shot that we just keep, we just dust ourselves off, fall down seven times, get up eight, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> There's yeah, not they, enough in like a history book where you get two paragraphs to for kids to understand that. So it's a hugely important part of the depth of the portraits and the interviews, the way they fill out a story about how we how we get work done in a democracy. Absolutely. It's messy. <laughs> it's messy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Rob, I also want to go back to the top of the hour and um, your talk about the how you came to do this, your origin story for this project. And you said, I didn't want Dick Cheney and George Bush to to be able to hold the space in my heart anymore. And, um, and I think throughout this, that is one of the things that's been really clear um, that teachers who take up this project or anybody who gets to know your portraits has an opportunity to, um, to help kids think about the company that they keep uh, in their minds and their hearts and in their friends and relations. and. Um, I think that's also just a really beautiful, valuable part of this project. So I want to thank you for that. Well, well thank you. You know, um, the, the news, you know, to the degree you, you know, pay attention, uh, wants us often to be thinking uh, intensely about people and events and issues that are very uncomfortable um, and also often irritating and, and unethical and irrational and, and uh, for somebody else's benefit, not for ours. Right. And it's important for us to be able to make those choices about who we're gonna allow inside our bodies. You right. know, who, right. who is gonna live in our head? Who's gonna live in our heart? Right. And you know, what company we're gonna keep? And I, yes. I don't think I'd ever felt that as intensely as I had in the run up to this. I, I realized that I couldn't live like that. I right. had to. If I was going to stay in this country, which I considered leaving, uh, I was going to have to live with a different community of people. Right. And I was going to have to, you know, make those that make that for myself. Right. So, you know, a, a weird moment at the beginning when I was um, inhabiting a very curious and mystical world where. Uh, I was actually, you know, I began this a year and a half before the actual attack on Iraq. And I was, one of the things that was fueling me was that I was going to channel all these folks. And then I was going to march arm in arm down Pennsylvania Avenue with Frederick Douglass and Sojourner Truth and Harriet Tubman. And we were going to go right to the, you know, the White House and we were going to stop the war. <laughs> I mean, not because they were going to listen to me, but they were going to listen to Frederick Douglass. That's right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that that um, magical thinking, uh, I mean, I was perfectly aware it was magical thinking, but I was, the, the idea of it, you know, haunted me and it made it uh, possible for me to continue. And... Isn't that in a way what 250 portraits in this beautiful educational surround is doing? Like, don't you sort of have your own army of good here? In Absolutely, good point. Yeah. <laughs> I think the other thing that um, these portraits do is they allow conversations about issues. Right. And 
not everybody who comes to this series of portraits believes in all of these people. Right. But they open the door to have conversations, which is something that we are desperately needing in our country right now, is um, conversations about concerns and issues and things that we all are dealing with. Absolutely. Please do that. They certainly do. Um, I'm going to say one more time. The website is americanswhotellthetruth.org, americanswhotellthetruth, all one word, dot org. And, um, and we will post when we share this. We'll also post that as well as Connie's email address so that people can um, find their way to the program and the portraits and learn more about it. And since you said conversation, it seemed like a good place for me to say, I have so enjoyed this conversation today and I'm so excited to share it with our community. And I just wanna thank you both very much. Thank you, Tanya, it's been great. Thank you, Tanya, it's been delightful to be able to talk with you. And thank you for promoting this work. It's so, so meaningful to us. I am always humbled when people thank me for promoting the amazing work that they put out in the world. So thank you for all that you did and the opportunity to share it with other people. I will meet you in Maine. Yes, at the bookstore. At the production of the National Writing Project. NWP. NWP.